Yes, welcome to today's summer edition. And it's all thanks to the good folk at the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network, 4VL Charleville, 4ZR Roma, 4LM Mount Isa, 4GC Charters House, 4LG Longridge, Hot Country, 4SB and 4HI. Joined in the studios by two of the best. <laughs> Sports judges in Australia, Scott oh. Parkinson, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Watsy. One week you'll say looking and it's going to be the highlight of my year. <laughs> and uh, the one and only everyone's favourite Neighbours actor, Nick Backstrom. <laughs> good afternoon. And I've got to say a big shout out to one of the most underrated, undervalued Resonate Broadcast employees, the great... Andrew Chapman, yes. uh, we had Chapo. Ter- had terrible troubles, and never share a room with Chapo, by the way, <laughs> but uh, had terrible troubles getting up and running this morning, and uh, due to his technological abilities, not ours, we are <laughs> booming across regional Queensland. And do you know why? Because like Elton John, Chapo has healing hands. <laughs> Oh, doesn't he, doesn't he what? Uh, Ashton Agar's hat-trick, the highlight overnight with Australia's stumping victory of South Africa, probably overshadowed by the fact no one knew it was going on. <laughs> yeah, look, this, um, the, the, this summer of cricket's been so badly scheduled. We had a big hole in the uh, middle of the year when they went to... where they go? India? Yes. And, uh, yeah, they weren't even playing tests. It was just... It's been terrible, and it's, still, it's sort of meandering on and limping mm. towards its finish. The last three one-day internationals against New Zealand are going to be up against the NRL and the AFL. Appalling yeah. planning. Uh, you know those couples that go... They don't book a holiday, they get to the airport, and they say, let's just get a mystery ticket? That's what the Australian <laughs> cricket team is doing at the moment. <laughs> They're just gone. They're rocking up at the airport. They're going, where are we going? South Africa for a test. Cool, let's pack our bags. <laughs> oh, where are we going? India for a T20. No yeah. one knows what's happening, and what's he? No one cares. Like, no. this hat trick... Like, five, ten years ago, front page headline. Now, it's on page seven of the Fox Sports Behind Elton website. John with Behind pneumonia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Cowboys Stadium being inspected by the general public today up there in Townsville. And um, by all accounts, pretty good. The Wi-Fi is good. Uh, <laughs> you can get a bet on at the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's good to see it's up and running and on time. Oh, for sure. And uh, it'll be a great stadium, great asset for the uh, northern Queensland community. And I've got to say, not a great statue. What's oh, the stadium on. called? Queensland oh, Country Bank Stadium. Well, anything is better than one three hundred small stadium, yeah. particularly well, for the last four years when the Cowboys weren't winning any games. They were great dentists, though. So. <laughs> oh, great dentists, and from all accounts, great good kisses. people. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, the wash-ups from the NRL Nines. Um, look, we had some differing thoughts uh, between the three of us about the Nines, about the concept, about what it means to an NRL squad. But it was first blood for the Queen, North Queensland Cowboys who were victorious. You can have a look at the ladder, though, and see the importance that it was played by some of the top-tiered sides, though. Yeah, the top-tiered sides didn't really send you know, their full-strength full strength teams. I guess the biggest worry, Watsy, is the fact that St. George won't really appreciate it because they've got four players lost to injury. I know Corbin Sin broke his arm. Uh, Matt Dufty, who's a fantastic young uh, fullback wing, uh, broke his cheekbone. So, I mean, these are the things that fall out. And, and at what cost? Like, what, what, why were they at risk? Mm. Um, so, yeah, we talked about will, will the Cowboys win the premiership because they won the Knights? I don't think so. I don't think it, I don't think it means anything. I don't think you can read the, read the tea leaves that way. But it did unleash some, some young players. Um, and one we're going to talk to a bit later. Yeah, in the second hour. Um Nick, yeah, your it thoughts? is that it is that whole thing about uh, what is the purpose of that uh, tournament? Is it supposed to be warm up? Is it a bit of uh, fun and games to just to get the uh, kinks out, as it were? And you look at the, uh, the NRL and the AFL are particularly bad at this of going. We don't want to risk our club players unless it's an important game, which is why the AFL State of Origin uh, series fell apart because they they're all about the uh, crown, you know, winning the. Uh, the premiership, same with the international rules in the AFL. Mm. It's always a bit who cares and they're not going to risk players on a who cares fixture when they want to worry about the premiership. Yeah, and the NRL hasn't got that right, does it? Yeah, no. Now, this isn't really a sport what I'm going to bring up next, but mm. Ashley Jones, he's, he's thrown out a challenge from Talking Queensland. Oh, yeah. See the best pancakes that we've got to offer. The best pancakes? Yeah, pancake day next Tuesday. You'll be oh, on camp. Of course, yes. Yeah, but um, so go to Ashley's page, Talking Queensland. <laughs> big shout out to Ashley too. Big fan of the show. Um, what Do you mean like who makes the best pancake? Well, he wants, he wants pancake. pancakes. He wants, he wants recipes and he wants pictures. But is there any way, like you're a chef by trade, is there any way to fancy up a pancake? Well, the best way to get pancakes rolling is go down to Foodworks here in Longreach, Ibis Street, for anyone in town. <laughs> 
Geez, the just listeners are enthralled at this chat right now, can I tell you? Follow the directions and cook the pancakes. I wouldn't have a clue if I'd make them from scratch. Big, big show coming up today, headed by Paul White, the CEO of the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah, personal hero of mine, Paul White. He's in charge of, and I'm, I'm going to put this out there, probably the biggest sporting club uh, and most successful sporting club, I'm going to say in Australia, the Broncos. It's a huge brand. the world. Yeah, well, the world, why not? It's a huge brand, <laughs> a huge job, and can I tell you, a great bloke and very um, insightful on what he's doing at the Broncos. Uh, former Miss Universe Australia, Kimberly Bustide, uh, cracks out a few fashion tips for those heading to the Outback Food and Wine as she's on the road with the Bulls Masters. Yeah, she's a great friend of the show and a friend of uh, Outback Queensland. She loves coming out to uh, various uh, regional places with the uh, Bulls and uh, she's a great sport. Always fun to chat with her. We start the road to the 2020 Olympics with a few uh, insights into sporting, different sporting events. Uh, we're going to get in contact with a few different organisations over the coming weeks. We start with basketball today. Yeah, we spoke to Ayush Gautam from the pick and roll he's a writer for the website who went to the australia new zealand game uh the tall blacks so i still just shake my head tall blacks what a stupid name um but anyway that kicked off probably be the tall rainbows soon oh. <laughs> i'm not gonna touch that um but yeah australia lost but he gave us a bit of an insight into how australia might potentially go at this year's olympics our outback our outback focus today is going to be on an event it's the uh, Yellow Belly Fishing Contest held here in Longreach. But this year, Nick, it's going to be a triple crown held in conjunction with Isis in Windora and a few tips from Angrofsky. That's right. Uh, fishing in the Outback, people love it. And the iconic fish of the uh, Outback is the uh, Yellow Belly, which I believe is the only sort of eatable edible fish you can get in the mm. Outback River. Uh, maybe the Aboriginals would have differing thoughts, but uh, they know a lot more than we do. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, instead of just having these individual competitions, we're going to come together. Individual competitions will go ahead as normal, just as an extra sort of layer on top. This is the summer edition heard across regional Queensland on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with today's summer edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. Now, Scott, we've been, or we're going to start talking a lot about Olympics and, and our possibilities in different sports, but I believe the boomers are dead set one of our best chances for a medal. Well, it's the classic <laughs> Parkinson kiss of death because I've said the Boomers are going to get a, at least a bronze, if not a yeah. silver, potentially gold. And ever since I've said that, they haven't really performed. And we've gone to... Look, we get a lot of experts on this show and I can tell you, we've got one of the experts of the NBL, of Australian <laughs> basketball, of basketball in general, Ayush Gautam. How are you, bud? Yeah, good, Matt. How are you? Yeah, going well. Now, mate, I, I did just mention, I've given the Boomers the kiss of death. They did play the Tall Blacks. I understand you were there. Tall Blacks, and what a terrible name for a sporting team. <laughs> I, 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 I know that you were there on Thursday night. Mate, what happened? Um, what went wrong for the Boomers? Um, look, it was disappointing, but I have to say it wasn't all that unexpected. So what happened was, obviously, our NBA guys aren't going to play because they're in the middle of the season over there. Most of our NBL guys are about to play in the final series, so they're out. Yep. Basically, the whole Boomer squad was um, Illawarra Hawks, Brisbane Bullets, South East Melbourne Phoenix players. Yes. Uh, because their teams got knocked, knocked out, so they got nothing better to do, basically. Mm. So, is it, nah. so it's not as much doom and gloom as I'm making out to be? <laughs> um, no, nah, I think we'll be all right. So this is a qualifier for the FIBA Asia Cup in 2021. Yep. Um. We're, we're in a group of four with New Zealand, Hong Kong, and Guam. They're the other three teams. Powerhouse. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Underestimate Guam, Guam at your peril. Guam has a basketball team. Who, who knew that? Um, <laughs> it's like yeah, New Zealand have a cricket team. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, mate, like, so I've just said I think that Australia will get a medal at the Olympics. Are you feeling as confident? Do you think this will be our year to actually break that that we've gone close, but do you think this is the year that we're going to break that cycle? I think so, because we have the old generation meeting the new. So this will probably be the last Olympics for Bogut. Yep. Um, Paddy Mills will be, what, 36 next Olympics. Joe Ingalls will be a lot older. Uh, same with Aaron Bain. So I feel like this is the one chance where that old brigade will link up with the new. Hopefully Ben Simmons can play. Um, and, you know, I don't know about Josh Green. I don't know if he's ready, but... Hopefully, Son Makers has been getting some minutes in Detroit. Um, 
hopefully, you know, everyone who's available can actually turn up this time. We've had some issue getting some of these guys to actually play for the national team. And who, who's the big hitters uh, at the Olympics outside of uh, the USA? Who, who are our main contenders? Uh, Serbia, definitely. They'll be led by Nikola Jokic. Uh, I believe Bogdan Bogdanovic also plays for them, so they'll, they'll be a team to watch. Uh, Spain's always pretty strong. They've got uh, Mark Stoll. Sergio Barker might decide to play. They've got Ricky Rubio. So, you know, Spain's always going to be hard to beat. Uh, France as well. You know, they got us in uh, the World Cup last year. They're going to have Rudy Gobert and co. So they're probably the other teams to worry about. Is there a bit of a concern with the... I know Australia, and it's been well publicised, they changed their coach. So Brett Brown, who's the current coach of Philadelphia, is now the Australian coach. Were you supportive of that move? I was supportive. I think, if you have to remember, before Lamanis took the reins, Brown was the coach of the London Olympics in 2012. So it's not like they just picked up some random guy off the street. You know, he's, <laughs> he's been in the boomer system before. He knows what's up. And... Being the coach of the 76ers, um, he'll definitely be in Ben Simmons' ear about playing. He'll be in Matisse Stiebel's ear, who's apparently an Australian citizen. Yep. So he, he's a chance of playing. You know, that story kind of came out of nowhere about a month ago. Mm. So hopefully, um, with his connections at club level, he can make an impact that way. Mate, uh, turning our attention to the NBL, and it's been a great... Uh 2019-2020 season. We're down to the pointy end now with uh, Queensland's hopes resting with Cairns. They take on uh, Perth and uh, Sydney Kings take on Melbourne. Uh, first of all, your tip for the title this year? Uh, have to go to the Sydney Kings. They're looking pretty strong this year. They're the minor premiers. Will Weaver's done a fantastic job with that team. Um, probably the coach of the year, or arguably. But, you know, you can't count out the Perth Wildcats and Bryce Cotton. They'll, they'll definitely be up there as well. So we record this, so everyone's going to put their money on the <laughs> Sydney Kings. Now, before you go, I want just a quick little answer. The best Australian basketball player of all time. Now, what's his confirmed Luke Longley? No, no, oh, it's a dead heat. Nathan Croswell and Shane Heal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dead heat for 15th. Um, Ayush, can you tell us who is the greatest Australian basketball, in your opinion, of all time? In my opinion... Um, I know Gazy probably did better things for the national team, but because he was, you got to remember that Andrew Bogut was third team All NBA at his peak. Yeah, uh, only Australian to ever make an All NBA team. So, look, I've got to go with him just based on that. Yeah, great answer, mate. Now we've just spoken to Ayush Katam. Thank you so much for your time. And if you're interested, um, get out there and follow the Pick and Roll. Um, it's a great NBL website. Great insight. And just a great chat. So, mate, we thank you so much for your time and your contribution to the Summer Edition. No worries. Good to be a part of it. Cheers, boys. Heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Get amongst it. Back with the Summer Edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association, we can be heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Now, Scott, we had a few uh, differing thoughts about the uh, Auckland, now Perth Nines, and... Um, but anyway, it's some uh, silverware that's been taken uh, home to Townsville for the Cowboys. Yeah, 100%, mate. I was very excited about the Nines, and then Broncos lost in the early round. So I, um, I'd like to say I stopped watching, but no, the Cowboys were successful, and, and I understand we're joined by Cowboys this afternoon. We certainly are. It was a great story that developed uh, over the weeks leading up to it. Uh, Michael Bell, who was plucked from obscurity uh, outside the 30 to, to join the Cowboys, also known as the Moorenbar Mauler and the best footballer to come out of the Coalfields Let's say better than Josh Hannay. <laughs> he joins us on the line. Uh, Belly, how are you, mate? I'm great. Thank you. Yourself? Uh, good. Now, I, I watched um, Maguire's video with you yesterday, and he, he yeah. called you the uh, the Murrumbah Mauler, so I thought I'd tack onto that. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, that sort of just caught on um, throughout the week, so I'm not too sure where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, just tell us how it all transpired for you. Um, yeah, so I've basically I've done um, about 11 weeks pre-season with them, um, and uh, yeah, we end up going back to um, our local team, the Blackhawks, but um, about a day before, um, Paul, Paul Green rung me up and um, asked what I was doing that weekend, and um, <laughs> fortunately asked me to play the nine, um, so it was absolutely out of the blue, and yeah, no, I just couldn't believe it, so... Um, yeah, end up getting a run down there with the boys. 
Hey, Billy, it's Parker here, mate. I guess my first question is, at the Nines, we had some absolute stars taking part this year. I think of guys like Corey Parker, Andrew Ryan. Um, you had some stars in the Cowboys side as well. Mate, do you get starstruck? You know, being so early in your career, do you still get starstruck when you see these guys um, running out next to you? Yeah, for sure. It's like running out um, with Jason Tamalolo and um, Josh McGuire, sort of um, some guys um, that I watched as a kid. And, um, yeah, it was sort of surreal at the time. Um, but getting to know them, they make you feel um, real comfortable in the team and um, don't leave you out of anything. So, um, yeah, they sort of made it easy and made me feel welcome, um, which made it a lot easier for me. Now, Billy, let's go back to where it all began. Um, you are from Moorumbar, and we, we've talked to a couple of the young cowboys over the last few weeks, Benny Condon and, and Dan Russell, and uh, it goes back to uh, starting off with bush footy. Tell us where your love of footy um, started and, you, and your road to the cowboys. Um, yeah, so I started off um, playing when I was about six for um, the Moorumbar Miners and played all my juniors um, through there till I was about 17 and a little bit of senior footy there as well. Um, but yeah, end up um, played my first rep team for the Mackay Cutters and under 16s and um, I suppose I got um, got called up to a camp from there and um, that's all, sort of where it all began. Um, yeah, got signed for a few years with them and um, it's just sort of kicked on now so um, that's sort of my background um, as a junior. And Billy, one fascination I've got, and I get, in, I get a lot of stick for this, is I'm fascinated with the kit you get um, when you <laughs> every year, every when you go away to a, a tournament like the Nines or when you're signing with, with the Blackhawks and so on. Mate, what sort of things do you get in your kit? I imagine polo shirts, shorts, all those sort of things to be provided? Yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's quite a lot, actually. Um, we, we got three different type of jumpers this year. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scott uh, Parkinson, uh, PO uh, Box 270 Longreach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, but yeah, no, just the train, um, standard training kit and shorts and polos and stuff like that, yeah. You and must be tempted to, uh, when you get something like that, to go, well, obviously this is working, clobber, but on the other hand, can I frame this and put this on my wall now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. You sort of get a few of them, don't you? But, yeah. And, Belly, obviously you've, you've probably achieved one of your goals, and that's represent the Cowboys, you know, in the Perth Nines. But for 2020, mate, what are the big goals um, for yourself? What have you set yourself to kind of achieve this year? Um, well, you know, I do want to um, try play a bit of consistent footy in the Queensland Cup for um, Townsville Blackhawks. Um, so we'll see how that goes, um, but also um, trying to aspire to make Queensland um, under-20 team for the State of Origin. Um, that'll be played in Game 3. Um, that's another one of my goals that I'm going to try to look forward to and um, try to get. And, and off the back of the Nines victory, there'd be a certain buzz around Townsville. Well, let's be honest, there's been quite a buzz around um, for the past six months uh, with your new stadium and, and Valentine Holmes signing and a really good squad on paper. Um, what's it like training with the boys? Yeah, you know, the boys are um, all well gelled uh, all well together and um, they're not too, uh, you know, I suppose, um, concerned about the buzz around them. You know, they're just trying to play their best footy and um, put their best foot forward for the season and um, that's what I think they'll do and think that's what they're capable of doing. So, yeah. And, Billy, once the season starts, being the Blackhawks set up and having the Cowboys, so do you guys get an opportunity to train um, more with the Cowboys once the season starts, or do you separate into your, in your different groups? Um, well, me being outside um, the top 30 and um, sort of just on that junior development contract, I will um, go back to full tr- full-time training with the Blackhawks. But um, just say last year, I, I did get called up a few times to go help them out through... Um, you know, their uh, post runs with each other. So um, I'll, I'll most probably get called in a few times this year for that. But, um, yeah, no, I'll mainly be training with the Blackhawks. Yeah, it's certainly a great story being plucked at such a young age to go over and represent the Cowboys. And not only that, um, bringing, bringing home the bacon uh, for the first silverware of 2020, Nick. Yeah, speaking of bacon, um, we had a chat with Dan Russell earlier in the year. He loves yeah. a uh, bacon sandwich. I'm sure the trainers aren't fond of that. We like to ask our guests, off, given this is the summer edition, uh, for a summer barbecue, what are your top three choices for whipping onto the barbecue? Oh, barbecue would just be snag steak and um, 
Oh, oh, hey. He's a young kid, but he's old school. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Michael, Bell, Belly, thanks for your time uh, this afternoon and contribution to the summer edition. And, mate, all the best for 2020 and congratulations on the uh, Perth Nines victory with the Cowboys. No worries, Bill. Thank you very much, guys. It's the Summer Edition heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with the Summer Edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us on 4VL, Charleville, 4LM, Mount Isa, 4LG here in Longreach, 4GC in Charters Towers. We're on Hot Country, Nick Backstrom. <laughs> time to for our Outback profile this week. Not a person, <laughs> but an event this time. That's right. One of the great uh, activities that people <laughs> love doing in the Outback course is fishing in all the water holes, the rivers, and of course... The classic outback fish is the yellow belly. Yeah, and yellow belly fishing comp uh, held in August to this year with a little bit of a twist. Ian Grofsky from the yellow belly fishing comp Longridge joins us. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Andrew. Good afternoon, Nick, and good afternoon, listeners. Yeah, it is a time-honoured event here in Longridge. People take the week off prior to it. They go and get their camping spot, <laughs> and and then they have a great weekend of fishing and entertainment. Give us a little bit of a history of the event. Um, well, Andrew, originally it was developed by the Bulky family some 15 or 16 odd years ago, yep. and um, unfortunately the Bulky family have um, exited the town, and uh, we saw it fit to throw it open to a committee to put it all together and um, and uh, hold this iconic an- annual event every year. And look, it hasn't been all beers and skittles, that's for sure, and, and with any event you rely heavily on volunteers, and it's volunteer run. And uh, it, it hit a hiccup the last couple of years, but you seem to have come through that the other side and uh, going strong. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, you know, we've had a couple of the major uh, government, um, how can I say, uh, assistance giving us a hand. Also, a number of um, businesses in the Longreach and also the surrounding district giving us a bit of a hand. Um, yeah, we've um, we've struggled a bit on a com- from a committee point of view, but we've got um, half a dozen dedicated people to give it, give us a hand, get it through. Um, and hence we're at where we are today. And Nick, a story that transpired around about six weeks ago was the the thought or the concept of a triple crown. Now that's going to include the Isisford Yellowbelly and Windora and then culminating here in Longreach. That's right. All these uh, fishing contests have been going on for some time and some people like to travel to all three, some people just go to one, but uh, we've tried to encourage this idea, I think it was Elizabeth who came up with the idea, if I remember correctly, of how, uh, offering a triple crown to sort of we can cross-promote, uh, encourage people to go to all three and generally support each other in a wider area throughout the Central West. Now, Ian, give us some details of the uh, new triple crown. Certainly, Andrew. Well, as um, just reiterating on Nick on what Nick just said, um, the concept was devised by the uh, Longreach Yellow Valley Classic Committee and uh, with the formulation of this triple crown. They, uh, it's a culmination event where um, the uh, attendance must, of course, register. There's $1,300 cash, first prize. Wow. Um, entrance must attend the Windora Yellowbelly Hunt on the 2nd and 3rd of May, the Isisford Fishing Comp, and, Yellowbelly, and, in, and of course, Yellowbelly Country on the 24th to the 26th of July. And last, but by no means least, the Longreach Yellowbelly Classic this year on the 28th to the 30th of August. Um, now, just some of the rules of engagement while our listeners are out there hearing what's going on. The recipient must attend all three events and register. Of course, catch a yellow bell at each event. Um, and the competitors must be 13 years of, uh, and older, uh, 13 years of age and above. The, um, the, the lo- what we've done here um, with regards to the um, identifying what, what uh, is the longest yellow belly. Uh, if you catch 10 yellow belly, the longest yellow belly in those 10 goes towards the uh, accumulated points. Yep. So if you catch you know, a, a 28 centimetre yellow belly at, um, at, at Windora, you catch one at Isersford and you catch one at, at Longreach, the combined length of those three winning yellow bellies puts you in, the, um, in a good stead to uh, take out the $1,300 cash prize. It's a great concept. And mm. what's been the communications uh, since this has been put forward? Look, it's been um, it's been very good to be quite honest with you. Um, the other two fishing comps, you know, in in, in coordination with the Longreach as well, have, have come on board, and it's through their energies and their committees as well to put this all together. Thanks um, <coughs> to the other committees uh, and also their members, you know, to co- coordinating this into the uh, Triple Crown Yellow Belly Classic, 
um, is something that we've um, worked on fairly closely with Isisford and also Windora. Now, Ian, people that don't know you, and I'm sure plenty of people do know your voice, <laughs> you are known as the Rex Hunt of the West. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, partly because you're a, you were a gun AFL player, but the secondly because you're a good fisherman. Now, what is a couple of the, the um, good pointers here for people that might want to catch a yellow? And we can't say brown frogs. <laughs> <laughs> Look, to be quite honest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm only on the committee. I'm not much of a fishing person, per se. Um, but, look, we've, we, we enjoy putting this together. And, and as you say, look, at the end of the day, um, you know, I've always said that it's not about catching a fish. It's about the camaraderie. It's, the, it's a family event. We've got some great um, entertainment lined mm. up this year, not only um, for our own Yellow Belly Classic, but also at Isisford and, and Windora alike. So um, what I'd like to do is encourage as many people this year to come along um, and support both Windora, Isisford, and of course ourselves with yep. this Triple Crown Classic. We'll just recap the dates. Uh, yes, certainly. The Windora is the 2nd and 3rd of May for the Yellow Belly Hunt. Isisford Fishing Comp, and, and of course Yellow Belly Country, the 24th to the 26th of July. And the Longreach Yellow Valley Classic here on the banks of the mighty Thompson River on the 28th <laughs> to the 30th of August. That's the uh, upcoming Triple Crown uh, here, as uh, Ian said, in Windora, Isis, and Longreach. Those details can be found on the Yellow Belly uh, Fishing Comp Facebook page. Ian Grofsky, thanks for your time. Hey, good on you. What's the all the best? And all the best for the 2020 Triple Crown. It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. Back with the summer edition, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across regional Queensland here in Longreach on 4LG, 4LM in Mount Isa, 4ZR in Roma, and 4VL Charleville. Nick, undoubtedly one of the great events in Western Queensland in 2019 was the Outback Food and Wine Fest. Yeah, yeah, it was a second year, bigger and better, and it's going to get bigger and better every year from here on in, I'm sure. And joining us, uh, one of the ambassadors from the event, Kimberly Bustee, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gents. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for your time. Now, the Beach to Reach, is, um, uh, it's uh, come about after last year's successful uh, event. Uh, Matt Sinclair going on tour from Rainbow Beach uh, through a few locations and heading uh, out here to Longreach. Yeah, which was absolutely sensational. And I remember the conversation, Matt, um, he was sitting around the, the campfire going, how can I possibly extend this junket? 17. <laughs> <laughs> He said, it, he said it was about 17 beers deep, too. I think he was. I mean, that's when all good ideas happen, though, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so him and a couple of uh, clever others came up with this idea and this concept of hitting the road, which I think is fantastic. It's really exciting. And there's a lot of people jumping on board as well. And, look, the event last year, it's certainly built on the first year and, and so, certainly some more building to come. But uh, everyone, in the teeth of uh, what's been a tough eight years, frocked up, and uh, really embraced the evening. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, um, it, it's quite funny because dress code, you know, can be a really funny thing. And I remember when the team sent me through the dress code, I was thinking, oh, not, not for the Outback. Surely it wouldn't be that dressy. <laughs> it's probably the first event in five years that I've gone to and gone, oh, Lord, I'm underdressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I should have dressed down. <laughs> Everyone looked fantastic. There were some beautiful frocks there. The setting was spectacular. And, um, and the entertainment, of course, the famous Dashie race. I've never seen anything like it. Um, so, yeah, it was a real experience. I loved it. And this year I'm bringing the family back. Oh, fab. Well, Kimberly, personally, I thought you looked lovely um, on the night. But just Thanks. for this year, I'm going to go for a bit of a fashion of the field winner. So what advice do you give to someone who's, let's uh, let's describe him as ruggedly handsome. Well, hey, I'm going to jump in here because if Kimberly's bringing Chris Simpson, there's no way you and Ellen are going to be the power couple. <laughs> We've lost that title. But I'm looking for some advice from some, yeah, my fashion isn't the greatest, but Kimberly, what advice do you give to a little bit of a battler in the country to, to get one of these awards? Dress, who you, dress as to who you are. I would say you've got to, you know, you've really got to live that outfit. So it's all about the personality behind the outfit. So I reckon if you want to, you know, go a little bit rugged, then you've got to, there's, there's something really sexy about that. So oh, <laughs> all right. Well, you've given me lots to work on there. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kimberly, you hit the road with the Bulls Masters next week and uh, Big Merv's heading to Bundy with you. Um, the, first of all, uh, the Bulls Masters going along well? Yeah, really, really well. This is something that I'm really proud to be a part of. My husband, Chris, is an ex-Queensland Bulls captain and Bulls player. 
And for years and years, he'd go away on these trips and he'd say to me, oh, babe, we've been going to lots of community visits, lots of hospitals and, you know, there's not much time to play. And then I ran into the crew one year at the Mount Isa Rodeo and quickly realised that my husband's very good at fibbing because they have a really good time (laughs) when they're out out on the road. And they do do all those community things, which is great and raise a lot of money for, you know, sport and regional Queensland. But it's so good to get those past players together because there's so much value in them. There's so much um, history and knowledge and, and the boys really don't get an opportunity to get together that often. So when they go into these regional towns, they just love country people and um, and it's a chance for them to really just let their hair down and have fun. So it's, yeah, it's a blessing to be a part of it. And Kelly, anyone thinking it's a bit of a hit and a giggle, I'm sadly mistaken because it gets quite competitive out there. I mean, there was a game at the showgrounds not long ago where I think Andrew Simons was given out controversially. They don't like getting out, even though it's just a fun game. Oh, the egos are huge. <laughs> I've never, never met so many lovely men with such big heads in my life. Um, but, it, but it's funny. Like My husband, for example, is one of the most competitive people I've ever met. But I keep saying to him, you haven't played properly in 10 years. You can't expect to not get a duck. <laughs> Low expectations are key. Yeah, and uh, I was lucky enough to spend um, last weekend with Andy Bickle, and he pulled out that YouTube video of that 7 for 20 quite a few times. <laughs> Yeah. You know who I am? I am Andy Bickle. Is that you in the video? <laughs> yes, it is. Surprise me. I'd always probably got it on his favourites. He definitely he used it to his advantage too. Some of the great calves, Andy Bickle, in all seriousness. <laughs> the greatest calf muscles I've ever seen. You're not wrong. And uh, so and then uh, Easter, sorry, apologise, uh, Anzac weekend, you head to Emerald for a double header. So uh, heading west again. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to get a Guernsey for that one, to be honest. Um, they, it's a bit hard for my hubby Chris and I to go on, on all trips, but mm-hmm. I do laugh because his, his role is to get out there and get among everyone and have a few beers, but I actually have, a, you know, have to work and in, in, in seeing the events, so quite often I'll be like, oh, we'd love to have Chris, but we really need someone to officiate. So I'm like, there you go, babe, get in there, look after the kids and cook me dinner. <laughs> you, get the, you get the Brolger on tour with you too. Yeah, yeah, and he's good fun, you know, the boys love him, he's a, he's a good country rocky bloke himself, and he loves it, he absolutely loves getting out there and fluffing himself up among the boys at the pub, so um, it's a really good really good crew, and they're really great events for the public to get along to. I remember years ago, um, they did a tour, I think it was out Boyne Island Way, and they had an auction where you could buy to be a member of the team, and anyway, my dad had had about a thousand beers and thought he'd be a, a bull himself. <laughs> And um, bless him, spent an exorbitant um, amount of money and got on the team. But they said, Brad, they're going to knock your head off if you get out there. You haven't played in 25 years. So he was a water boy, but he loved it, you know, nonetheless. Now, no doubt the Simpson household keep one eye on the Big Bash and and the Brisbane Heat. Um, What was uh, Chris's take on this year's uh, (laughs) Brisbane Heat performance? Look, it's a bit of a touchy topic in our household. He's the chairman of Queensland Cricket, so I shouldn't say too much here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you know, as a, as a bloke that, that grew up as a traditionalist of the game, he loves test cricket. He did play his first year for the Melbourne Stars, which was a really um, quite an amazing experience. But as a man who loves the game, he's really enjoyed seeing the evolution of the game. It's so good to see crowds coming back. Um, I think we can all agree that T20 needs a little bit of finessing, Um, particularly the Big Bash. We haven't quite got the format right yet in regards to the length of Mm, the competition um, and the amount of games played. But yeah, we've got a a bit of room for improvement. I know that our coach, Wolf's just had a, a pretty rough time with his heart, so hopefully we can get him back healthy and on track and get the boys to be in a better position for next year. I think he's on the in the Bundy trip too, I read. <laughs> well, he, he was, but I'm not sure yeah. if you're aware. He's had open heart mm, surgery a couple yeah, of weeks ago, so he's um, taking it easy. Um, but it, it takes a lot to keep that man down, so <laughs> he'll be he'll be bouncing around in no time. Kimberly, I returned to the cricket field myself, <laughs> and uh, I'd like to say I haven't lost form, which wasn't encouraging because I never had much form to begin with, but... <laughs> Turned out, for a couple of games, I was the oldest man on the field. Now, you know some ageing players. Can we introduce rules into cricket like they have for golden oldies rugby that the older you get, like they can't bowl as fast to Three you? Three-step run-up. Or, they, yeah, they, have to not, they can't bowl at the stumps or something like that. Can you talk to someone oh, about that? <laughs> they like to create their own rules, yeah. um, which, which is quite lovely. I think 
drinking a lot before the game seems to help a few of them. Um, but I remember I, I'll never stop laughing going back again to my husband Chris playing. Um, I think it was Roy that went up to him after a game and went, "Geez, Simo, you need to get back out there because watching you turn and chase that ball was like watching a ship turn in a pool." Better days, but they enjoy it, which is the most important thing. Kimberly Bussey, thank you very much for your time, and uh, no doubt we'll see you out west here for the Outback Food and Wine Festival or at I, Bundy in a couple of weeks for the absolutely. Bulls Masters. I can't wait. I'll be the one running away from my children. <laughs> <laughs> it's the summer edition heard across regional Queensland on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with the second hour of the summer edition heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. And yes, it's all thanks to the good folk at the Australian Mung Bean Association. Into the second hour, that means it's time for Paco's Probe. Paco's Probe. Now, a big issue at the moment is player managers, and, and they seem to have all the power in the game. I know, you know, we spoke to Paul Watt earlier, and um, we didn't really ask him about this, but, you know, I know the Broncos have one manager of, of many of their players. And I guess my question comes down to what is their role? Are they needed? And what's going on? I know Josh Adokar's just got rid of his manager. He's managing himself. What's he? Well, I'm going to go to jockeys to begin with here. And the jockeys pay around 11% of their earnings. Correct me if I'm wrong. I do apologize. And jockeys is, is a funny one because when you're hot, you're hot. And when you're not, you're not. It doesn't matter who you've got representing you. They're not going to be able to buy you rides if you're not riding well. So up in the north, I look at a couple of the jockeys up there, and they get full books week in, week out. Do they need to be paying their manager? And and, off, and uh, one jockey in particular sacked his manager in the past couple of weeks because he doesn't need him. He's giving mm. away 11% of his income for nothing. And I know that's probably a small amount compared to some of these footballers, there's been many, many cases over the years where the managers have tickled the till, haven't they, and oh, yeah. um, taken advantage of, of great deals. And um, Look, and if I was a manager, I'd be wearing around, getting a new kit every, every, every <laughs> oh. week, a new pair of Nikes or whatever. Um, you'd certainly um, take advantage of it. But a lot of these players don't really realise what's going on. A lot of the deals are dealt with without them knowing. And I don't know. I think there's a certain space for them. Yeah. But I do think they definitely uh, come to the fore a lot more than they need to. It, it's a tough one. I think young players, and you hear like hard luck stories. Not happened a lot in basketball in America, where you get these players who grow up in in pretty rough neighbourhoods, and they've got like a group of play, a group of mates that they basically have to support. So if you make it big, you've got to support your whole your whole uh, crew, as they call it, um, like you guys and my crew here. Mm. Um, so I think player managers can be good. Um, they can do good things, but obviously there's some who make very, very It's one of those things, deals. isn't it? Like, obviously, if you're a good sports person, that doesn't mean, you know, the first thing about deals, uh, money handling, all those things. And you need someone you can rely on to tee that up for you. The, the colliery of that is, as you say, uh, they can be dodgy. Yep. But there's so many, particularly at the, at the top level, there's so many things going on, not only with uh, just your contract with your club, contract with sponsors, contract with advertisers. There's so much going on. Yeah. And you're there to play football, ride horses, whatever. You need someone to take that pressure probably, off. Probably a bit of element of ignorance here by me that I should have swung to Nick first off. Because in acting, I suppose, managers play a big part. Well, that's the same thing. I mean, you're there, your talent is for acting or writing or whatever your creative uh, outlet is, and you may not know the first thing about business. You don't know what you know the going rates are, all those things. I mean, you try and educate yourself on those things because you can't rely on your agent for everything. But on the other hand, um, yeah, there's, they know a lot you don't know, and you need to be able to trust your agent. And again, there's been agents who have ripped off their uh, clients there as well. Now, Nick, you know I get excited when you talk about your acting. I know this is a sports show. <laughs> Did you ever lose out on a big gig because of a bad manager deal? Uh, no. Were you meant to be Russell Crowe's role in... <laughs> no. Um, well, now I can Bloody reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Shaving Ryan's privates. No. No, in look. Diana Jones, starring <laughs> Nick Backstrom. I mean, the fact is, producers are always... And I think this will be the same in any profession. Producers are always going to try and exploit you. They want to get you for as little money as they can. And I've turned down jobs because the money they were offering was ridiculous. Yeah. There's always... In acting, there's always someone to go, I'll do that. Because you know, people want to be an actor, they want to act. Um, so you do need to... And it's great when you do want to turn things down, go, oh, my agent doesn't like that. Or, yeah, I guess, on a sort of similar level, unions, people... Mm. Um, yeah, you have to go, no, the union doesn't approve that. And people... It's like that mo that jockey turning down his manager. Mm. Great when things are going good. When things go wrong, who's he going to fall back on? And you do need that sort of safety element as well. And stay tuned for the release of Nick Backstrom's Casting Couch video. <laughs> 
And my, my bestseller, The Roles I Should Have Played. <laughs> Some big guests coming up. Michael Bell from the Cowboys. The boys will join me again to talk about Olympics. And lads, Dale Slaughter from Radio TAB. He's our guest from the stands. He is. Um, yeah, Dale. Great chat with Dale. Um, probably the only person that wears a Highlander jersey every day that ends in Y. <laughs> but very passionate about rugby. And geez, you and um, you and Dale had a great chat, Nick. It was, yeah. you know, it was finally around someone who could not equal, because let's say you are the most expert on rugby in Longreach, but was there to have a chat with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kiwis one-eyed. Oh, they're oh. very one-eyed. I remember having... It was funny. I was during the... I won't name... Well, Ricky Broughton, Ricky Broughton, I was talking to him about the uh, in the World Cup, and he said, oh, I hope France don't win because they're the ones who always knock out the All Blacks. And uh, which is a good gag and true. And um, then I was talking to another Kiwi, and I, I, I made that... I mentioned that joke. goes, oh, well, you got to remember the uh, refereeing. You know, that was 1991. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like Cowboys fans. We were robbed. Yeah. <laughs> Summer edition on, uh, on the Resonate Network. Back with the summer edition. It's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across the Resonate Broadcast Network across regional Queensland. Coming up in, in the coming weeks, so we're around 150 days out from this year's Olympics, we're going to turn our attention to some of the great some of the little known and some of the new uh, sports that are going to be appearing in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, boys. Olympic year is always exciting and it always can, you know, it brings to the fore a lot of different sports and you get to experience. It was great to go to Sydney 2000 and I bought a lot of tickets and went to some of the minnow sports and mm. it was very, very interesting. And, and Scott, and uh, we all become experts. I, I was just about to say that. I didn't know if you alluded to that, but what I love about the Olympics is these people come out of come nowhere. Come on, Dave. Come and, on, and Dave. <laughs> and they say, you know what, in Greco-Roman wrestling, they're saying, you know what he needs to do? He needs to try a front flip onto the man's side. And I go, where did that come from? Yeah. So I love I love the experts, and I'm one of them. I love it. I get Olympic fever, um, and it's going to be a great event. And Nick, some really obscure sports that, yeah, we love to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, just watching some ski jump the other day with my dad, and we found ourselves going, oh, that's not a good landing. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done a twist. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's one of the wonderful things I do love about the Olympics. Unfortunately, our coverage tends to be jingoistic, and we tend to focus on the sports that Australians are good at, which is a bit dull because, you know, Swimming's all very well and good, but we've seen a lot of swimming. Whereas yes. things like fencing, um, uh, pentathlons, things like that where you don't get to see. Shooting. Yeah, um, gym, mm. rhythmic gymnastics, all those things are just fantastic to watch. Um, and I'd like cy- to see cycling's always interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? How, that one where they go works. slowly and yeah. then all of a sudden go fast. I've never understood it. I've, yep. I've got friends who do cycling. I've asked them to explain that sport to me. They have. I still don't know what it means. Um, no, that bell seems to just get it moving just out of nowhere. <laughs> Bring it earlier. <laughs> Yeah, from the start. We got kayaks and canoes, we got baseball, softball, basketball, badminton, archery, climbing, the pentathlon, equestrian events. Climbing what? A flight of stairs. I'd say it'd be rocks. I still oh, think yeah, yeah. they need to have everyday Olympic events. You know, getting to the front of a checkout queue in ten minutes. I remember Ben Elton doing a whole routine about uh, drunk Olympics, like uh, oh. getting, getting home and making toast and <laughs> <laughs> Turning the oven off. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, boys, Scott, we, we discussed this mm, off air. We did. Now, it's a two-pronged question. <laughs> Classic Watson with his two prongs out. Yeah, Continue. Uh, we're going to go the event we've always wanted to have a dig at yes. and the event we would never in a million years have a go at. Right. Well, you know what my event that I'd have a go at? Dressage. Okay, yep. Because the horse moves so slowly, and all you got to do is just have an iron shirt, a button-up collar, and you're fine. I don't know what they get points for, <laughs> but it is the most relaxed event that I've ever seen. The horse doesn't even jump a barrel. It doesn't even seem to move, and people get gold medals for it. So can I tell you, the sport that I would go into is the dressage, and the sport I'd go nowhere near is diving. I mean, to look mm. down from that height into a pool of water, Nick, I can see the look <laughs> in your face now. You look stressed out even thinking about well, it. I actually jumped off a two-metre board, and it seemed like the 10th story. Yeah, but yeah, what's yeah. he it jumping off a board? Like, I, I would do a pencil dive. Like, I would, but, you know, like, and probably get 
you know, there'd be no splash. You know, there'd be no splash, and the French judge would give me at least a four. <laughs> but to jump off this board ten meters in the air and do spins and turns, like I can't even do a front flip without landing on my back. So diving for me is an absolute no go. I remember Clive James writing about Greg Laganas and saying he is so far ahead at this point he could bomb dive and win. And I'd love to see a, a, a top-line Olympic diver actually do that going, I can't lose for you, I'm bomb diver, I'm doing a can opener. Oh, <laughs> and I mean, I'll tell you what, and the, the fact that their togs do not get lost up their you-know-wheres after they land is, is it's a medical mystery. <laughs> Nick, for you? Oh, look, I've got to admit, fencing is something I'd love to do. As a little kid, you used to watch the, uh, you know, things like the adventures of Robin mm. Hood and all the sword fighting and daring do always look very exciting. <laughs> I mean, actual fencing is a very different animal uh, but yes. I have done a little bit of fencing done a bit of stage combat I still love waving a sword about so it'd be lovely to be good at that um, <laughs> Nick sorry just to interrupt with fencing is mm. there like a bit of um, like a marker on the end that marks their shirt There's an, it's an electronic sensor yeah. I'm oh, not sure how it was that's why they've got the big what they call the tail that core that goes from their back of their uniform and it's, it's an elec- I think it, it closes a, uh, a, a circuit and, uh, oh, I never. I thought it was a GoPro. I no, thought it was just for t- no, like, no. coverage. In fact, some about twenty years ago, the Russians—I think it was the Russians—discovered um, they had a button in their hilt, and they could push it and cr- complete. They were cheating. They were completing the circuit so they could make it register a hit without oh. actually hitting the other player. This is why he's the greatest man to ever work in four LG radio <laughs> long reach. Heads and shoulders above. <laughs> now, the one I would not do in a million years is this. This. I'm glad you're sitting down, boys. It's the marathon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Running races, I've always got a bit of rejection to. 100 metres, 200 metres, I understand. 400 metres, I've just run 400 metres, and this is where I started. Now, marathon <laughs> is, is 26 mile. This is where I started. Why am I doing it? Yeah. Have anyone ever seen me dance? <laughs> you know what? I've seen I've seen your butt and legs gyrate, but I don't know if I'd classify that as that a dance. That move. wasn't dancing. <laughs> that needs a context. Rhythmic <laughs> gymnastics is something oh, I yes. would never do. Oh, oh I thought you're putting yourself in for no, it. No, I've got two left feet. I, no, just could, I don't think I could bring myself to it. Yeah, and, no, fair enough. But I do love athletics. That's that's where I go. I've always wanted to be a great high jumper. Okay, yep. Well, I thought you'd throw your hammer around. Oh, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> but boys, uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking to a fencer. We're going to be talking to rowers. We're going to be talking to um, wrestlers. So it's, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, and, sure. You know, and see how these people got their paths to their Olympic, uh, their, their crack at Olympic glory. And that's exactly right. And Nick, you said you've always watched fencing. And I'd like to know, is that why people get into it? Because they see Robin Hood fighting on TV and they go, let's try to do that for yeah, a career. I don't know. I think, yeah, because it's, um, it's obviously, it's a niche sport. It's a, it's a sport with a long, long history. Mm, and um, people refer to martial arts. I don't think of fencing, but of course it's a martial art. It goes back to when you try to yeah. kill each other with swords. Yeah. So yeah, it's got a fantastic history. This is the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland. Back with the summer edition, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mungbean Association. Catch us on 4VL4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, 4SB, and Hot Country. Uh, coming up on March 11th, uh, Wednesday afternoon, at the Qantas Founders Museum here in Longreach, is the Outback Business Forum. Uh, running conjunction with the Longreach Regional Council and Longreach Regional Enterprise. And uh, the headline actor on that day <laughs> is the CEO of the Brisbane Broncos, Paul White, and he joins us on the phone. Hey, Paul, how are you? G'day, Andrew. G'day, uh, Scott and Nick. It's great to be with you, boys. Big fan of the Broncos and um, seeing, you know, some of the behind-the-scenes of the Australian story. And I want to just talk about the media and the way they play um, in kind of getting us to getting us to know you and getting to know the players is that important for you as, you know, the CEO, the boss of a big club? Um, is it important to let the media go behind the scenes so you can tell the players and, and obviously your own story? Yeah, I think it is. I, I mean, um, it, I, I learned, you know, even through my policing career that, that you have to have good relationships with with diverse stakeholders. And the media are a big part of the sports industry. They're much... They're pretty pervasive, I guess you can say, with a club and a a club as big as the Broncos. So, um, but they're relationships that that you have to have. Um, I need the media. The media need us. At some times, I'll give you a touch up, and you lose a bit of skin, you know, um, because you know they they'll run a story or and they'll run it a particular way. But I, I accept that. And when the time comes where you you've got to cop your medicine, I'm always prepared to cop it, but every chance I get, uh, 
an opportunity to talk positively about our club and the work we do in the community in particular and the work our players do sort of off the field. I, I, I look to those opportunities. We, when we tell those stories, we try and tell it well. Everyone can report on the tries that are scored on us at Suncorp Stadium on a Friday night, but it's harder to get those other very personal stories out there. So any opportunity that we get as a club or I get as an individual to share a bit of the, the background stories to the inner workings of the club, we, we try and reach out to the public and share those. And Paul, you've got three local uh, Longreach media here trying not to be too harsh this afternoon. <laughs> hey, um, mate, I wanted to ask about the Broncos. Now, I'm a Broncos fan. I mentioned that before. Tragic. And I've got a Bulldogs fan opposite me and a Rugby Union fan to my right. <laughs> Just explain to them, because I know you are a proud Broncos man, and I want to hear it from your voice. What makes the Broncos such a great club and sets them apart from clubs like the you Bulldogs. Ask this Dob- you ask this to Dobbo all the time. I ask it to everyone. I just want to hear. I just want to hear the great thoughts come through. Yes, the Bulldogs people out there think I stole their major sponsor, but I did make them. <laughs> no, look, I think it, 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 it's a great club to work for. It, it, you know, I'm very privileged to be in the position that I'm in. I would never have thought as a young bloke growing up, probably in Northampton, where I finished my schooling that I'd be in the position I'm in today. But I think the thing that does set the club apart from others is we're much more than just a footy club. Don't worry, our number one goal each and every year is to win a competition. But we're invested in communities right throughout the state and we always have been uh, as a club since inception. I think that real understanding that we're much more than than just a south-east Queensland um, side. We're, we're a side for Queensland. We were Queensland's first national sporting team so that, that's a natural advantage that we'll, we'll first there um, and I think people you know fell in love with the club in those early days and we did have some success pretty early in 92 and 93 and, and I think a bit of that uh, you know brand equity still lives with us today don't get me wrong you know the expectations very high every year that, that we need to win a comp and it's been a while since we've won one so I, I understand that and, for all those supporters out there, we're, we're desperately determined and um, we're doing everything we can um, to win another premiership. But I, I think the thing that does set us a, a little bit apart is our commitment to reaching out well beyond um, South East Queensland. And, and we take that responsibility you know, pretty seriously. And uh, I, I guess with that comes uh, the expectation that you keep your feet on the ground, you might remain pretty humble, and I'd like to think that our club still reflects those values. Yep, Paul, um, I'll just ask on Parker's behalf, because he's far too shy, any chance of free kit when you come out here? <laughs> <laughs> he loves the kit. Yeah, I'd like to say large, Paul, but it's probably an extra large shirt. <laughs> Paul, um, expansions... <laughs> <laughs> Expansion's a topic on everyone's lips, you know, halfway through the season when teams are poor, yeah. performing poorly. We've dipped the toes yeah. in Perth. We've dipped the toes yeah. in Adelaide. Like my personal thing is leave it as it is, 16 teams. But there's always yeah. comes back to a fourth Queensland team. You know, with the Titans on the ropes and the Cowboys yeah. uh, performed below par last year, do we have room for a fourth team in Queensland? Uh, look, you guys won't get me to say on the record because everyone else has tried to get them to stay on the record. <laughs> but I can tell you the Broncos aren't the ones standing at the, the, the border of Queensland. So we, can't, we don't want another team in, in Queensland. And I'll preface that by saying the NRL um, has their hands on the wheel. They understand the demographics of the country, our state. They understand the finances of the game. And, and they're the people that are best placed to make those decisions. There's a couple of things that come into play and will come into play. The broadcasters will have a heavy say in where they think the value lies because their game is, if you look top down, we're heavily reliant, as the AFL are, on our broadcast rights deal. So that will that will play a key part in you know, the structure of our competition moving forward. I agree that 16 teams is the right number. Um, someone who's got a bit more information than myself might decide that um, it, it's it's not numerical expansion, but it's geographical expansion. If that's the case, we may well have another team in, in Queensland at some stage. I'm not privy to that information, but I, I would agree that I, I don't think there's a model that's sustainable, having looked at the financial performance of the clubs and, and also uh, the game, that we can sustain more teams. But I think 
there has to be a really robust discussion on, on where those teams are, are located. No, 100%, Paul. Now, you've been very generous with your time. Now, this is a bit of a personal question. It's not a large shirt that I'm after this time. Oh, I wonder, Bulldog supporter, does he want to relocate his club to uh, South East Queensland? I, I think he's keen. Um, we can talk to about Central Queensland Bulldogs has a great ring to it. Now, no, the PNG Bulldogs. <laughs> there's options there. Hey, Paul, one question I've got is we're involved in a bit of a fantasy NRL competition, and we're always trying to get a heads up on the opposition. And my question to you is, every year we get some young players who break the market and they come through, and, and you've got to pick these players early, otherwise you kind of fall behind. So is there any young Broncos coming through that might make a debut this year or in, in the future? Obviously, you're not the coach, but um, yeah. is there anyone we should be looking out for uh, in 2020 for the Broncos? Uh, a real smoky, he's not in our top 30 at the moment. Is a young Kiwi guy called Jordan Rickey who's had an incredible preseason. He's really, you know, sometimes a young bloke comes into the preseason as a as a boy and by the end of the preseason he looks like a man so he, he he'd be one of those and he's incredibly talented he captain the junior kiwis last year but he's not that top third at the moment but jordan ricky if you see his name ever you know um you know named on the bench or in our squad at any time i, I think he could be a bit of a boulder and xavier coates who had one game for us or two oh, games outstanding yeah i, I think he's got some real upside. I've just watched, he, he's one of those guys that's really developed, developed physically over the off-season and he's a beautiful young bloke as well, um, but athletically you know, he can leap as good as any player I've ever seen um, and, I, and I've seen a few of them come through the club so yeah, athletically, he's, he's got so much upside, so he'd, he'd certainly be a smoky. Paul White, CEO of the Brisbane Broncos, thanks very much for your time this afternoon and contribution to the summer edition. Paul will be at the Outback Business Forum on Wednesday, the 11th of March at 5pm at Qantas Founders Museum. We'll uh, certainly catch you there, Paul, on, on that evening. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me on the program and I uh, look forward to travelling out to Central West and meeting the good people of Longreach and the surrounds. It's the summer edition heard on the Resonate Network. That's just about us done and dusted for this week's summer edition on this 22nd day of February 2020. And if you are in the 4LG or Hot Country Networks, you can get your requests on for Ranch Club through on 46583333 or via the thread on Facebook. Big thanks to our contributors today, Paul White, Kimberly Busteed, Ian Grofsky from Longreach Yellow Belly, Michael Bell from the Cowboys and Dale Slaughter from the Stands. Yeah, great show. Lots of great guests and um, lots of things happening. Now, we have made predictions leading up to today. Oh, gosh, yeah. And um, some of those are looking good. Uh, Matt Renshaw's <laughs> playing extremely well for Australia. Played really well. Oh, no, he didn't make it. Um, and the Reds have just kicked the season off great, Nick. So now, I, I made the choice not to predict anything that's happened too soon, so I can't cop rubbish until at least the NRL starts. But where are we going this week? This week, I'm going weather. 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 And uh, significant falls throughout the West is going to wash out the uh, Central West season opener at Blackall this week for the races. Oh, good heaven. That's a big call. Um, I'm bitten on plus. You go. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, I'm going to go one. I'm going to go a recent one tonight. Oh. So after you tune into our show, once you've got everyone around to listen to the radio, tune on to the Reds because they're going to break their duck tonight. They will beat the Sunwolves and kick their season in a three-match winning streak. I reckon you're right there, Parker. I reckon it's a good call. Thank you. And I wish I'd said it because I'm still struggling over here. <laughs> okay, Australia. Um, whitewash over the Kiwis in the one day. It's not that bold, but there it is. Righto. Now, we often talk about great comebacks. <laughs> yes. And one that always pops into my head is the Alfie Langer. The, you know, the one where he came yeah. back from. But let's put our caps on, boys, and uh, think if we can wind back something significant in the world of sport... Uh, defined by somebody's great comeback? Well, I can define, for me, the greatest sporting comeback in two words that set the world alight. Mr. Michael Jordan with the words, I'm back. Took a (laughs) two-year sabbatical, played baseball um, after the passing of his father, and then came retired as the best basketball player in 1993. Took him about six months, then reclaimed that. Six championships. Michael Jordan, I'm back. To me, the greatest comeback 
the most successful comeback. His second comeback with the Washington Wizards. Let's not talk about that. But the first <laughs> one was unbelievable. Nick. Uh, look, I'm going to go another low point for Australian cricket. Oh, for world cricket was the uh, World Series cricket when a number of great players went off to play professional cricket. And that's a, a long and in- interesting story. Mm. But uh, Australian stocks were left denuded of good players. They'd all gone for the money. And uh, they had a series coming up against India. India had a strong lineup because they weren't as affected by the World Series cricket. And Bob Simpson came back as captain after a 10-year retirement and led the Australian, very young Australian team. A lot of guys who hadn't played for Australia before never played for Australia again because mm. things are sorted out. But it was a, I just remember it was one of the first Test Series I remember. This would have been 77, 78. And it was thrilling to watch. Bisham Beatty, one of the great spin bowlers, was the Indian captain. It was a thrilling uh, as I say, thrilling um, series, yep. and Australia had the win. It was fantastic. Do you ever find the comebacks, the anticipation's a lot better than the delivery, isn't it? Often oh, so, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I recall after Shane Warne retired, I remember every uh, Warne, he'd be back in work oh. or he'd play for the Stars or something, something like that, but you feel like he actually did leave at a relatively high yeah. point in the game and, and decided that's enough. And yes. I think that's such a, it, it's a great, attribute to a yeah. cricketer or any sporting person who can retire at the top. And we saw it with Black Caviar, 25 yeah. from 25 in the Thoroughbreds and, and Winks. I mean, she could have gone on and won another five or six races by now. But to, to, to draw a halt to it and say enough's yeah. enough, that to me is fantastic. I think it's a great thing. I remember uh, when Australian rugby was going through uh, earlier, sort of a lull after Mark uh, Ella retired. And at one point he, he said, I'm available for a comeback. And uh, <laughs> Noddy uh, Liner, who was a 5'8", said, yeah, haven't just been keeping your jumper warm, champ. So, <laughs> and both are saying back off. And of course, Australia came back from there to win the World Cup. But it must be really hard as an athlete to retire and not have that urge to oh, come back. Yeah, like, I course, mean, yes. I think retiring at the right time doesn't get done anywhere near enough. No. Um, we often see the athletes that push it one year Particularly too far. Particularly the money. How can you just walk well, away from that That's exactly money? right. Yeah. And you know what's going to be really interesting this year is Cameron Smith, potentially his last year at mm. the Melbourne Storm. He's, I think he's about 36, 37. Great rig, great player, but I think this could be a real turning point for him. Well, remember uh, Bjorn Borg, one of the great tennis players, retired very young, as he did because he, you know, the money wasn't there as much. Yeah. He tried to make a comeback some years later, still using the wooden racket. Just technology had left him way behind. And just go it on top like us. And when our ratings peak, <laughs> that's when we'll take a break. Right now. Thanks, boys. Thanks for your time. Great to catch up, and we will do so again next week. Just you and I, Nick. Scott, you'll be... Uh well, you might, you might make it back for the intros. Oh, I'll be that, yeah, going on school camp. So I'll be back and I'll be charging in um, and I'll maybe may make a phone call on the way. Safe travels. equally weary, but for a different reason. Correct. Safe <laughs> travels, uh, Scott. ET uh, Nick, in a we'll, stream. We'll catch up again next week on the Summer Edition across the Resonate Broadcast Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4SB, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. We'll catch you again next week.